like having a damp dog on your upper lip. That does not sound like fun at all. What kind of dog have you got? I've got a Yorkie Terrier Mystery Terrier mix. She's kind of like a cute, scruffy old man dog, um, but no one really knows what she is. <laughs> I think my friend Sarah Pimenta, she's got a, a Yorkie, Scotty, I don't know, small dog. I think, yeah, I think she has a Scotty, like the white ones, and so Tucker, my dog, is kind of like the opposite of that. She's the black one. <laughs> you called your dog Tucker? Yep. Figured okay, that means... That kind of means something else over here. We used to have this TV show. Oh, um, no. No, no, no. It was, it was a good one. It was a kid's TV show. It was called, um, and it was called Grange Hill. Oh, and okay. it was all about this school, like this comprehensive school. Yeah. I don't know what you'd call that. I'm high not school. sure. Probably, yeah, that makes sense. And there was this character called Tucker in it, and then he went on to do his own show, and he was Tucker's Luck. <laughs> Actually, oh. nobody listening to this is going to remember that. Except okay. Me. I've never heard of it, so... What you wouldn't have done? Why would you... <laughs> I don't know. Every once in a while, there's random things that people are like, you would never have heard of this. And I'm like, actually, I have. But that is not one of those things. Okay. Have you ever heard of the Sooty Show? No. Oh, God. Americans. I mean, this is like a missing piece of your culture. <laughs> oh, man. I should probably tell you I'm not actually American, but that's okay. <laughs> Crap, what are you? You're not Canadian, Canadian right? yeah. Ooh! Sorry, yes, I love Canadians. Oh, I thought that was going to be like, oh, I was going to rescind my invitation then. <laughs> but I grew up on a lot of American TV, so as we all do. Yeah, well, it's it's just, a, it, you, you missed out if you haven't seen the Sooty Show. <laughs> Is it on YouTube? Should I look it up? <laughs> actually, actually, I did. I did actually look it up the other day. <laughs> And it, don't look it up now. But okay. Yeah, it's, it's on YouTube, <laughs> and it was it's about this guy, and he lives with these with these puppets. Oh no! And the sooty, he's a bear. He's a he's a bear hand puppet. Yeah. And then there's a dog hand puppet called Sweep. <laughs> and then there's a panda hand puppet that's called um, Sue. And they all live together in and it's it's one of these things where like all the puppets sleep in his bed, and it's it's a bit strange. Yeah, a bear, a panda, and a dog. It's like a combination for puppets. Yeah. <sighs> sooty <Yeah>. show. Remember that. <laughs> You see, we, we probably shared the same cartoons, though. Probably. I mean, I watched... Well, maybe not. I think I watched a lot of She-Ra and Jem as a kid. I don't know what if those that? were... Um, what well, is that? <laughs> Jem was a secret rock star, and she somehow fought evil by being in a band. Um, and She-Ra was, like, <laughs> He-Man, but a woman. And she hung out with him, and they did, I don't know, fought evil together. <laughs> as, as you do. Yeah, as they do in cartoons. I don't know. This sounds ridiculous in, in uh, summarizing it later, but I think both are on Netflix, so. What about Hong Kong Fooey? Oh, I never saw that. Oh, God. Perils <laughs> of Penelope Pitstop? No. Wacky Races? Not that one either. You're rubbish. <laughs> We're going <laughs> to... So, yeah. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> moving swiftly on. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing what crosses over and what doesn't cross over. Yeah, I but, think a lot of these shows are kind of the same thing, just with different characters and different names. But, you know, there's only so many themes for cartoons and kids shows, I think. Perennial question, though, is do you watch Doctor Who? You know what? I remember as a kid have, racing to turn off the TV before Doctor Who came on because we were so afraid of that show. So Wow. <laughs> What, and you, like, even even in your adulthood, you haven't started watching I, I haven't it. watched it ever. Um, maybe I should to see if I still think it's scary enough that I have to run to the TV to turn it off. But we used to race to see who could get there faster because we couldn't bear to see even a second of the intro. Which Doctor was this? 
Um, I don't even know. It was whatever Doctor Who was on like 20 years ago. <laughs> That's not really giving me a lot of help. No. Yep. So kind of useless on TV. Sorry. Mm. <laughs> it's only a week to go and you've got your conference. Yeah. Yeah. Web Design Day is next Friday. It's crazy. Already the end of October. I have no idea how that happened. That's yeah. That's a week today as mm-hmm. we're recording this. Yeah. I like I like the fact that it's one track. I really like that format. Yeah, it's one track, one day. We've got a nice old theater um, that's been around for a while and it's like just kind of got a lot of character to it. So we all hang out in this theater, talk about web design all day, and then at night we head off to a friend's print shop and print our own t-shirts and posters while we have drinks and cupcakes. So it's a pretty fun time. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah, kind of get everyone out of the bars and do something a little bit more interesting than just stand around. <laughs> Actually, that's a really nice idea. Yeah. And it's awesome. Friends of ours have this, they're called Commonwealth Press, and they have this nice warehouse full of like printing supplies and room for a party, so it works out perfectly. I mean, I've been, I've seen conferences that have had events that kind of go on, you know, fringe events that go on around it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one conference in uh, Belfast that had an axe Oh yeah, Axe is that... restoration workshop. Didn't they have like chocolate making or there's yeah, some fancy name for one. chocolate making too? Yeah, that's the one. Build. Mm. I haven't actually been, but I hear it's I hear it's really good. But yeah, I love yeah. the idea of of um going off to the print shop. That's that's ace. Yeah, it's super fun and it's just it's great to like have your own space for a party instead of doing it like a bar where you're sharing space with like random normal non web design people. I mean, why would we want to hang out with them? No fun. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of conference after parties anyway, to be honest. No? Um, Why not? No, I mean, they're, they're too... Well, I'm old, right? So <laughs> they're too... No, it could sound like an old kid. They, they're too noisy most of the time. Yeah, sometimes it's all... There's like They're kind of like dance parties, and you're like, actually, I want to come talk to these people, not scream at them. Oh. <laughs> I think the last one I was at was at... Um, New Adventures, mm-hmm. which is a, a conference in Nottingham. I was there um, too this year. Oh, right. Excellent. Were you speaking? No, I just I just showed up to check it out. I'd heard it was pretty fun. Um, I hadn't been out that way in a really long time, so I was like, screw it. I'm going to New Adventures in Nottingham. <laughs> oh, cool. No, <laughs> I must I have missed you because I, w- I did a workshop mm-hmm. the day before. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah, then I was head just there. off. I was just there for the conference itself. I wasn't there for any of the workshops. I was probably still getting over, like, jet lag at that point. But they had, um, I remember they had a, a after party, not this year, but I think mm-hmm. it was the year before. And it was really, really loud in this in this bar. Um, and every now and again, somebody would tell the DJ to go and turn it down a little bit, and he would. Oh, they and don't it like would it. Kind of, no, and then it would kind of creep up again. And like you say, you just, you just want to have a conversation with people. Yeah. There's usually so many people at conferences that you're just seeing, like, that one time a year or whatever, you know. Um, it's, it's You just want to have a chat and, you know, hang out. and You, know, you don't want to be super boring, but you don't want to, you don't want to be yelling at them either. No. And if, if, sometimes if there's a two-day event... Uh, and they have the party on the first night. Mm-hmm. If you're speaking on the second day... Oh, you can't really go out, because no. I'm always afraid I'll lose my voice. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be standing in a bar screaming at somebody for three hours. And then you get up in the morning and it's... <laughs> you're like, well, I sound very, I don't know, um, raspy. That, that's going to be great to listen to you for like an hour or half hour. <laughs> I remember... And I forget where this was now. I think it was. I think it was actually in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. 
they uh, there was a conference a few years ago, Web Directions North. It was yeah, the, yeah. the Australians. Um, they kind of moved north and did a, an event up there. And Kelly Goto was uh, was speaking, and she literally did lose her voice and stood up on stage the, oh, on no. the, the day and literally whispered this whole talk. And it was amazing because the whole audience, I mean, they were more attentive than I've ever seen. <laughs> Anyway, because they were straining to hear what she said, and she was literally whispering this this talk in like a hi, hi yes. Oh wow! And it even was, with a microphone, that can't possibly be loud enough for anyone to really hear very well. Oh, that's no. been tough. <laughs> now, I, I do like the the, the one track thing. I think it fosters um, everybody shares the same experience when you have. It's, it's good to have everyone together. Everyone's got the same talks. They can hang out and, you know, talk to each other about the same ones. I find it's less stressful as an attendee because then you just show up and you're like, all right, I'm here. <laughs> you don't have to decide. I hate deciding which track to go to because um, there's never, there's usually never a good choice, right? Like no matter what, you're missing something good. So I, as an attendee, I like not having to make that choice. And that's probably why I made mine one track. <laughs> Somebody sent me a link to something the other day. I can't remember even what this conference was about now, um, but it's happening in London at some point. And I looked at the I looked at the schedule and who was speaking, and it's like four rooms going on at the same time, four tracks. How do you How do you even know where to go with four That's options? Crazy. That's not a conference. It's a circus. Yeah, I, two is kind of okay. You know, two I find manageable. Three maybe, but like four or more, and I'm just I'd have no idea what to do. <laughs> What's with these lightning talks? What's you thinking behind those? Um, well, part of it was, you know, the one the, the one thing with a one-track conference is with everyone's session being the same length, it kind of gets a bit monotonous throughout the day. Um, so we wanted to throw in some shorter sessions. They're like 10-minute talks. So it kind of mixes up the schedule a little bit. Um, and then it also lets us get some people who maybe are don't feel like they have enough to say to fill 45 minutes or an hour or maybe are a little bit... Um, you know, intimidated with the idea of doing a 45 minute talk. But if you ask someone to do a 10 minute talk, they're like, okay, I can do that. Like, that's easy. Um, so it kind of helps us get, a, just break up the day a little bit and get a more, more of a variety in topics. Um, so we can get a little specialized for like 10 minutes at a time, but it's only 10 minutes. So if it's too specialized for you and what you do, it's, you know, you're like, 10 minutes and it's done. It's not like you have to sit through an hour of it. So it really helps mix things up and um, get some speakers who to, to encourage more people to take the stage, basically. Is it like the, the talk equivalent of those pocket guides? Kind of, yeah. I mean, you can get you can say a lot in 10 minutes, but you have to be very, very... Um, you, know, you have to get right to the point. <laughs> there's no time to, like, you know, wander around your topic. Because there's always, there's always some people that are speaking that you know they're not talking about a topic that you're interested in i went to a really good little local event a few weeks ago and there was this one guy and he was great but he was heavy duty javascript oh yeah yeah and you know two minutes in well <laughs> if that really and you know i think me and half the half the audience were checking our email I'm sh- oh, no. and that must be incredibly hard for a speaker you know You've you've done all this preparation and you, you've you've got the guts to stand up there, and then you just realise that well we've all done it, haven't we? You know you've all you realise that. Hang on a minute, I'm not carrying the audience here. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, wait, is it me? Is it? I mean, sometimes you just didn't get a good read on who the audience was, and it's just kind of like, well, what do you do? <laughs> well, that's why I like 
mostly I like one track conferences because they tend to if if it's one track you tend to have an organizer that's kind of curated the um the talks somewhat mm-hmm. so rather than just kind of like oh, I'm going to hire this guy and he's going to come along and speak about whatever you know there's some kind of attention to you know the running order and how things are going to flow and stuff like that whereas you know I think with I don't know, I just think two tracks is lazy just like stick a bunch of people on stage. Well, yeah, no, it two is. tracks is still hard work to put together, but definitely with one track, you have to pay a lot more attention to, you know, how specialized or how general the sessions are and just making sure things have a bit of a flow to them. Um, but two tracks is still a tough, tough job to put together too. That's one of the reasons why I like Event Apart so much is they put a lot of thought into, you know, making sure that you don't get conflicts for one thing, but you know, there's a narrative that runs through the day. Yeah. They do an amazing job. I just, um, I went to my first event apart in years earlier this year and then spoke at my first event apart a few weeks ago. And I'm just amazed at, at how just like tight of a show they put together. I mean, they've got everything covered and they just do such a good job. I mean, it's like they're professionals or something. It, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, I imagine a traveling circus or a carny <laughs> show to be. It really is. I mean, every single thing, there's so many moving parts, you know, and they, they dismantle it at the end and then they, you know, they res- they, they put it back up again at the next yeah. one. But and everything I, about it, they just, I mean, they've thought of every detail and they've just made it like pretty much perfect. So <laughs> Yeah, no, it's incredible. You've got Matt and Pat from Bearded doing a, doing a responsive design workshop process workshop I yeah yeah i've got them doing a um a workshop on just how they put their stuff together um in the morning all of surrounding how they've changed their workflow through responsive for responsive design um and then we have brad doing a responsive design workshop in the afternoon as well but more about the idea of um um a little bit less process oriented and more in the kind of doing and putting it together part so it should be a good matchup yeah, Pat doesn't have much of a beard, though, does he? You know, it's actually bearded in the typography sense. Like, that's a part of, like, the wood type or metal type pieces is called the beard. But then, like, Matt has a beard, and so you just assume they mean because you have a beard. So it's very confusing. Aaron Draplin, he's, he, he's got a great beard. He does. He should probably, they should, he should probably work with Bearded on something just because of that. <laughs> yeah. And you had Jason Beard speak a few weeks, a few couple of years ago. That guy doesn't have a beard. No, he, he, that was a little bit disappointing, but Jason's a super nice guy, so I let it go. Um. It's, like, it's like ZZ Top. Do <laughs> you remember yeah. ZZ Top? Where you've got yeah. three guys in the band, and they've both got huge beards. Well, two guys have got huge beards, and the guy that doesn't have a beard is called Frank Beard. And you're like, oh, guys, you should have... Did you not know that? <laughs> I didn't know that, actually. <laughs> you don't listen to much ZZ Top in Canada? <laughs> no, I know. No. We're more into, like, you know, Rush and the Tragically Hip, I guess. <laughs> but I was flicking through the... <laughs> I was flicking through, like, the sites for the previous years, and you've got a lot of people that speak, they've spoken, like, year on year. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Do you not feel that, you know, the audience is going to... Oh, no, not him again. Um, well, we try to change it up a little bit. Like Brad did last year, but this year he's doing a workshop. Um, so he's not actually going to be on the main stage. But a lot of people, I mean, and Bearded did one, did a talk a couple years ago. Matt did. Um, so there's a lot of people that end up coming back, but it's usually the people that got some of the best responses. And yeah, everyone seems to think it's pretty cool. And like Chris Cashdollar is coming back to do a lightning talk, and he did a talk a couple years ago. Um, and that just kind of actually worked out 
like, we didn't actually plan to bring him back, but his lightning talk um, topic, we we're like, we totally need a businessy talk, and that is exactly it. So um, a lot of it's kind of based on topic too. Um, so we want to have a nice variety of things. And if it works out that someone who's done an awesome job a couple years ago wants to come back with a new topic that's totally relevant, I mean, of course we're going to do that. How do you handle feedback? Do you do it in that really scary style, like an event apart do? Oh, no, no. We, well, we, we do, we get a lot of feedback that day. I think that's when we get the best feedback is people actually talking to us um, and telling us like that session was awesome or like that session was totally not relevant to me. And then we're like, well, why? Um, we, we do a survey, but we kind of summarize everything and package it up for everyone instead of sending all the raw data. Because um, I, otherwise I feel like I wouldn't read it. You know, if I just yeah. like forwarded off the exact responses to all the speakers, I might get lazy and not read it. <laughs> Well, I, I spoke, um, the last one I did was an event apart in Austin mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. I think you spoke this year. I did the, the Austin this year. And uh, to be honest, I, 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 wasn't feeling, I wasn't feeling very confident and I wasn't feeling that I'd done a particularly good job. So when the feedback thing came through from Toby, I just didn't read it. I just filed mm-hmm. it away. It's like, oh, no, I'm not going to read that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was trying to dig out her phone number the other day. So I looked at it and I thought, oh, man, just what the hell? So I looked at the feedback and it was good. Oh, okay. And I kind of came, you know, halfway up the stack. And I said, oh, I should have looked at that before instead of feeling that I did a terrible <laughs> job. I've heard a lot of warnings about that that uh, AEA feedback PDF, so I'm not sure what I'm going to do when it shows up. But some people have told me not to look at it at all, and other people are like, "Be really careful if you look at it." Um, and other people are like, "Oh, it's no big deal." So I'm not sure what to expect. <laughs> I don't think people realize. I don't think attendees often realize that you know this stuff goes on. I mean, yeah. you know, and that we have to we kind of have to deal with it. The funniest one was that. A few years ago, I mean, probably 2009, 8, 9, 10, something like that, me and Jeremy Keith, we, we did virtually every one. Mm-hmm. You know, one year it was four, and then the next year it was five. And I think one year we did six event aparts, which oh, is like... a lot of event aparts like, in one year. Yeah, I know. It was like Led Zeppelin's bloody tour <laughs> bus. Right? Did you guys get tour shirts? Um, no, we didn't. Uh. Anyway, the funny thing was, was that we'd get the feedback PDFs come through. And there was always, as you know, there's always one kind of standout talk. Mm -hmm. Um, And what you see for people that haven't seen this PDF that they send out, I'm sure I'm not breaking any NDA with this, (laughs) is that you can see the scores that everybody gets represented as a graph. But you can't see anybody's names. You can see the scores and you can, you can't see the names, but you can see your name and where you came. Right. And it's kind of marked out of five and you know, that's it. So there was always one that was like a bloody skyscraper in the middle, one standout talk always. I mean, I, I generally rank kind of, you know, halfway down. Yeah. Halfway to halfway two thirds. It's great. Yeah, I'm always in the top half usually, unless I do a stinky one, which I have done. <laughs> and anyway, there's always this one massive talk. And what we used to do, especially when Dan Cedarholm was was on here, Dan was on the show a couple of weeks ago, and we'd always say to him, I always send him an email or or, or, or pick up the phone and go, Dan, was that you? And he'd go, <clears throat> Well, I didn't like to say. <laughs> Like, I'm not denying it, but I'm not denying it. (laughs) And then one day I was sitting in the corridor talking to Jeffrey about this. I was like, man, Dan Cedarholm, he always gets the best scores. He's like, man, he's always like way, way. No, he's not. I'm like, you bugger. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so I don't know who it was that gets this thing, but it's funny. Oh, no. Yeah, it's, 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 I've heard so many stories about it, so it's crazy, but um, not sure what to expect yet or if I'm going to look at it. We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll, it depends how I'm feeling the day it shows up. We'll see then. <laughs> do, you, do you not think that people are getting a bit fatigued out with conferences? Because there's so many events now. There are, but I think, I mean, I think the types of things we talk about with web design has changed a lot in the past few years in this kind of the same amount of time that there's just been like a bajillion conferences. Um, you know, it seems like you used to look up stuff on the internet, like, hey, how do I make this awesome CSS effect? Like, how do I make the corners rounded or whatever? Um, but now we're asking a lot harder questions. You know, I think it's the kind of questions that you can't really get from a blog post, like things of like, how should I change my process so I can do responsive design in a way that won't drive me crazy? And, you know, like, how do I explain this to my clients? And um, just I, I feel like we're asking different questions that require more conversation and like getting together with actual people. And that's kind of my thoughts on why there's a bunch more. And maybe also we're getting more social. I don't know. Maybe we're kind of tired of just talking through the internet and thought we should hang out and, like, meet other humans. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I've just stepped away from it for a couple of years, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just amazing to see how many how many there are. Did you, did you go to Brooklyn Beta? I did. I was, I was um, in, in New York and Brooklyn for the week last week. So did you go for the full three days or were you just in that hangar? Uh, I did, yeah, I did the full three days. So the two, the invisible dog, and then the one in the crazy big hanger. Um, and then the beginning of that week, I was at Future of Web Design. So it was like a crazy, bizarre conference week. Yeah, I've never been. I've never been to uh, to Brooklyn Beta. I mean, yeah. how many has been there? Like three, four? I don't know. Uh, I think this was the fourth. Yeah, it's definitely worth making the trip out for. But it's. Uh, I kind of feel like Brooklyn Beta is more like a kind of time to go hang out with a bunch of people in Brooklyn and see a bunch of friends, meet some people from the internet you've never met before and less so of like a conference proper, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's similar to how we thought South by Southwest was back mm-hmm. in kind of 2004 or five. Yeah. Like back before if, there was like a million it, people. <laughs> yeah. Before it got stupid. <laughs> yeah. It's probably, I've, I never went to South by during the non stupid times. So I can't compare, but it sounds like it's that sort of, that sort of setup. Yeah, I haven't been for years, and we always promised ourselves that we would go back for music. Um, and now my son's old enough to drink. Um, we might do that. He's going gra- He's graduating from university this coming year, so um, it might be a good chance to basically just go and, and hang out and drink and listen to bands. Yeah, I think that sounds like a good plan, especially if you just graduated. It's a great... Perfect timing. Do a South by Southwest trip to kind of celebrate that a few months later. But, you know, close enough. <laughs> yeah, well, we've done crazy road trips in the past. You know, we've, mm-hmm. been, we've, we've been around the US. So, uh, yeah, maybe we'll do that. Hey, listen, before we get too deep into conversation, I yeah. th- should we get the sponsor out of the way? Yeah, definitely. Let's do that. Um, it's Gather Content. So Gather Content helps people who build websites Um, work with their clients to plan, organize, and collaborate on web content. So I bet everyone who's ever made a website for a client or for their company, they're going to know what I mean when I say that planning, gathering, organizing, and collaborating around content, it's one of the trickiest parts of any project. So people email you the content in Word or Excel. Man, I've had this 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 week. People sending me stuff. It's like, oh, it's in a Word document. Oh, God, no. Uh, they send you PowerPoint documents. I mean, you can't blame people 
for that because you know those are the applications that that normal people uh, they use every day but we we have to trawl through what's often multiple documents and cut and paste what's useful out of them and then we have to keep track of everything and sometimes people send you the same file twice um and then you have to store them my drop boxes they just end up overflowing with all this stuff um, and then there's finding a way to to collaborate over changes i don't know whether you do this but I rewrite client copy all the time because mostly it's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) They send you stuff that I just literally, I'm not going to put that on the website. I'm sorry. I try to avoid it, but you know, there's sometimes you're just like, oh, this can't, this can't go up that way. (laughs) Yeah. No, I'm a bit of a, a bit of a grammar obsessive. So I will change people's copy all the time. And sometimes you find that they'll use an and and an ampersand in the same sentence. Mm -hmm. I hate that. (laughs) You're like, pick one. No, I know. So all this kind of stuff, I'm really, really picky. So, you know, then I have to tell them what I've changed and all, all that kind of stuff takes longer than designing the damn website. <laughs> it does. So it really does. So working with content's a nightmare, but that's where Gather Content comes in because it's a web application that helps you keep all of your content in one place. Mm-hmm. You can collaborate with clients on changes and you can get approval and when you need it. And then there's reminders and due dates and, you know, all that stuff you'd expect. Gather content breaks down content so that you can guide your clients and copywriters through exactly what needs to be written. And then when you're done, you can export all of that content straight into your CMS using one of their plugins or the API. Gather content customers include Razorfish, Harvard University and HappyCog. Uh, Brett Harned, he's VP of Project Management at HappyCog, he said that gather content makes it easier to organize and write real content early in the design process, and it helps us avoid the headaches that are often caused by late content. Because you know what it's like, you know, you you think, oh, I've done all the design stuff now. You're like, oh, we're almost done. And then they're like, no, time for content. Oh, God. Yes, and then they just (laughs) send send you stuff which is either, you know, way too much or way too little or, you know, in a terrible format. Um, So you should listen to Brett. Start using Gather Content. Prices start at 49 of your American dollars a month. <laughs> and that's for up to five active projects. They've set up a special page for listeners just for the show. It's gathercontent.com slash unfinished. And even better, if you sign up through that page, you'll get your first month free on top of the 30-day trial period. That's a good offer. That's Gather Content. Yeah, you know, it is. It's actually... Um, I tried to talk about... have sponsors on the show that for things that I use and I like. Um, and that's one of them. Yeah. It sounds like, it sounds like a pretty useful tool actually. And I mean, Brett's a pretty smart guy. So if he likes it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's focused, you know, it's focused yeah. on doing what it does well. And it's not like trying to introduce people to, I don't know, base camp or something, Yeah, you know, that they're going to be unfamiliar with. So no, I like it. I like it. Animations. They've been your thing for a while. Yeah. Yeah. They have. <laughs> I think that's the first time I read about you was your article on 24 Ways last year. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, that one, uh, yeah, I don't know if that was a, a really good one for people, but whatever, I wrote it anyways. <laughs> it was, I, I love 24 Ways. Yeah, they, I, I've been reading it every year, and I'm finally like, all right, Drew, I'm going to write something for you this time. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I've, I've really enjoyed doing it. It's one of these things where I kind of look forward to, to December. Mm-hmm. You know, and usually I get it in about a week before it's due. It's um, hard to write stuff far enough ahead of time. 
But it's it's interesting how it's changed over the years too, because it's been going for what, what now five years. Yeah, it's been it's that. been a long time. Um, and it's been interesting to see how things like comments have dropped off. Mm-hmm. You know, when we started doing it, you'd get you know fifty, sixty, you know, nice, nicely reasoned comments on a post. <laughs> Nicely reasoned comments. What what are those? <laughs> well, no, it's, it's just not usually you know first. But, yeah, yeah, I know. No, but it's the kind of it's no, it's the kind of site where people that do bother to spend time writing a comment obviously have a point to make, and they're trying to be sensible and you know contribute, which is really good. It's not just where you get. It's not like tech crunch comments. <laughs> those are the kinds of comments you should never bother reading. <laughs> But no, I read your animations article. What, what's your feeling about animations now? I mean, transitions. I use transitions all the time, but I but I rarely, rarely see CSS animations. I mean, is is, is that just because I look at the wrong websites? Um, possibly, but I mean, technically, transitions are animations. I mean, like outside of a lot of the time when you're talking about animations, you're talking about both transitions and animations, but the CSS spec has decided to separate those two out, even though technically both cause animation, right? I mean, if you tra- you can, if you line up a bunch of tra- transitions one after the other, you can totally make an animation. <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, they're pretty confusing terminologies, I think, but, um, you know, animations have that advantage of being able to do more than just like back and forth, like or between two points. So it's, sometimes that comes in handy, but sometimes you don't need more than a transition. I mean, you can get creative with transitions and do a lot of stuff. So um, I kind of like to think of them like lumped together as one thing. <laughs> I think people, you know, maybe f- first, I know I did, they think that, ah, oh, man, this is going to be like a, a flash killer. People are going to be doing lots of, you know, scripted, CSS animations where they couldn't do flash movies. Yeah. I don't think that's really where, I mean, maybe eventually, or maybe hopefully not actually, depending on which flash stuff you're thinking of. Um, Well, somebody made a comment and I can't remember who it was now, but somebody made a comment that those type of animations are like flash movies, but you can't turn them off. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Well, that's, that's a big problem with a lot of these HTML5 ad making things, right? Is like, you know, ad blockers used to just block, block flash. And now because of Apple and stuff that you've got, you can make these banner ads with like basically CSS and JavaScript animations. Now there's no way for them to turn them off, which is, you know, probably very infuriating for some people. But I think the, um, the power of CSS animations and transitions really lies in how we can make just more sophisticated UIs by adding some animations and some interactions that are a little bit more meaningful than just like click, wait for page to change, you know, like we can, we can actually do something in those times of change and kind of take advantage of making things seem smoother and more polished by adding in these transitions and animations. I think that's where, where the CSS stuff is really going to, where it's going to be the most useful. Hopefully, you know, um, I, I definitely don't want to see it only ever used for banner ads. <laughs> That'd be awful. <laughs> is most of your work for agencies or do you do direct client stuff too? Yeah, m- both actually. I kind of do like half and half since I, I just, I'm freelance working on my own. I work direct with clients, usually with um, smaller teams. Like I'll get a developer to work with me or maybe like there'll be three of us. Um, and then maybe the other half of my time is, is, working with agencies and kind of, you know, being one more person on their team while they get things done, which is, it's a nice balance because 
when you're working with agencies, there's a project manager. And when you're not, one of you has to be the project manager. So it's nice to have that balance. But are you doing animations for client work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of, um, yeah, I mean, not, um, not animations and like making them cartoons type of sense, but just the, of adding some animations to their UIs that they have kind of working out how they can, you know, where can we add just a little bit more sophistication with some animations or transitions to make our interactions basically seem more meaningful or, or have more style. Um, so a lot of that kind of stuff. Actually, I need to send you a link. When we finish recording, remind me, I need to send you a link to a secret thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. We're not telling, we're not telling the listeners what it is. But <laughs> you're like, we aren't telling you anything about it, but it's a yeah, secret. It's like, you're not in on the joke. <laughs> Aww. So you talked about animations at an event apart. I did. This year. Mm-hmm. And I talked about them in 2011. Mm-hmm. Um, not in Austin, but in a few of the others. Because um, that's the year that, I did that Mad Men. We recreated the Mad Men titles with CSS. It was me and... I remember that. Anthony Calzadia and Jerry Cody did the artwork. Um, and it bombed. Really? Yeah. Why? Totally, totally bombed. Um, well, the first, the first time I did it, I think, was in Seattle. Um, and that's the first time that anybody had seen the, the Mad Men demo. And then it was like, yay! Um, and then, of course, by the time the second one or the third one or the fourth one rolled around, everybody had seen the demo, and then it was like, then it was like, yawn. Um, so, and pe- people went wow at the demo. Um, and then all the feedback said, oh, this is just not relevant to what I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, Talk was okay. <laughs> just, just, I'm never going to use it. I'm like, oh, okay. So that, that put me off doing um it put me off doing code talks mm-hmm. i could see why that would that would do it this and actually the my event apart talk was probably one of the most codiest if that's a word talks i've done in a while um so yeah hopefully hopefully i don't get the same feedback we'll see <laughs> it's really hard to do code talks well i mm-hmm. mean there's only, i think there's only one or two people that i've ever seen do code talks um and still manage to kind of hold the the audience attention yeah it's tough especially when you have like a mixed audience of people who maybe wouldn't consider themselves coders or maybe are code averse and you know they're just like oh my god there's code on screen shutting down um so you know that like it can get tough but um i focus mostly on um the kind of, not just how to do animations. I mean, I guess that was a little bit of it, but how to do animations well, like how to incorporate some, um, some principles of animation, like from Disney and whatnot. Um, and, and to identify places where you could use this stuff of like, Hey, so I've got these animations and I totally want to make some, I want to make some stuff in my project move. Where do I look for places where this can be a meaningful addition to my design and not just like, woohoo, annoying or something. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think I think I kept telling people. Um, I think the example I used to not do was make everything spin in three D space. Though I kind of wouldn't mind seeing that just for fun. Because um, <laughs> there but were yeah. a lot, there were a lot of cool demos at the mm-hmm. beginning. I remember the ones that the Safari team put yeah. out. Um, and you know, when I was writing Hard Boiled, I was try- I wanted to include like a little bit, um, and c- coming up with something that wasn't just a you know cool demo I was, mm-hmm. I was trying to think of something practical and it's really hard 
It is. And I think a lot of it's because of the way we think of web design and websites and what they are and how we've always made them. Because, I mean, if you look at a lot of the apps and stuff that we download on our phones and whatever else things we download them on, there's a lot of, you know, animation in the UIs there, both in the OS and in the applications. I mean, some of it's horrible, but some of it's incredibly well done. And I kind of think we just don't even think of making websites that work like that, even though I think we can. We just maybe, you know, we're just so used to how we've always done it, we just don't think of it that way. Yeah, because you talked, I think it was, was it CSS Summit? You were talking about Mm -hmm. infographics? Yeah, yeah, I did a little talk on some animated infographics, um, which was pretty fun to do. Yeah, I'd like to have seen that, actually. I'm pretty sure they have recordings of it. I haven't watched it. I got a link to the recording, but um, I can't listen to myself or watch videos of myself. It kind of freaks me out. So, <laughs> Well, my problem is I have a sister who's very close in age to me. And when I see my videos, I, I sound like her. And it just I'm like, she doesn't know about web design. What is going on? Ah, oh, brain hurts. And that's could be worse. You could, you could think you sound like your mother. <laughs> Sure, I'm pretty sure all three of us sound exactly the same. I actually I was saying something the other day, and I just turned to see my wife and went, "Oh my god, that just sounded like my mother." And she's like nodding. She's like, like, "Yeah, oh, you've done no. that before." No, please, God. But is is there more of a market? Do you think for animations in that space for infographics than there is in terms of you know, ah, oh, let's make a flashy thing? I think so. I think. Um, I mean, in that sense, it can be a lot more, it sounds boring to say practical, but you can actually use that more to convey information and, you know, add to what you're trying to say and tell more of a story with the data you're displaying as opposed to just like, you know, skip intro type animations, which I think we are all trying to avoid um, because no one wants to see that come back. (laughs) Um, Damn, that's what I'm working on. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, that's the secret thing I was going to show you. Bring back uh, skip intros. Um, Crap. Oh, sorry. No, I thought that I was going to be blazing a trail. I thought I was going to be setting a new trend. Oh, no. I thought it was nice and, you know, retro. Um, They're probably, there should, someone needs to make a nice retro, like, throwback to all the intros we've missed in the last few years, like the intros of 1995 or something. Um, I bet some of them are still online. I mean, there's got to be a great archive of those around somewhere. I think you can still do it, but there was a um, a splash screen thing that you could put. I think it was web app capable mm-hmm. uh, was the little meta element that you could put into the, the head of your pages. And then Ooh. you could, on, on iOS, uh, you could trigger, if you put the right images in the right place and they were the right size, you could trigger a splash screen. So the page would load behind it and the splash screen would load first. Oh, cool. Um, but you couldn't, it, you couldn't animate it. It was, uh. it's just a, like a you know, PNG or something. Was it kind of more to make it behave like an app since a exactly. lot of those have splash screens? Yeah, exactly. Like... And but it invokes it. If you, um, if you add a, a site to your home screen mm-hmm. and then access it through that icon rather than through Safari, oh, yeah, then, yeah. It, then it loads the splash screen and then it loads the page behind it, but with no Chrome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's basically like an app. Yeah, there's a lot of little tricks you can do like that. that once, and there's a few things with like... Um, um, like saving some local data and stuff to the phone too, I think, or something like that. You can really, there's a lot of crazy stuff you can do to make your site act like very much like an app. I don't know the half of it, I don't think, but I've seen some, seen some cool tricks. Yeah, no, I need to, I need to get back because we d- did a lot with animation back in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then when everybody said, "Oh man, this is not, this is not happening," <laughs> <laughs> I was like, 
okay. And I haven't really done anything since. So I think people's attitudes have changed about it a little, a little bit. I think possibly because the greater support, just more of what we're seeing. I think we expect different things from screen-based interactions these days. And I kind of like to think that maybe it's because we've decided to have a little fun and not take ourselves so seriously all the time, but that might just be me. (laughs) Can we talk about writing? Yeah. Oh, hang on. I just noticed because you were, you were in Justin Avery's responsive interviews book. I was, yeah. The e-book. Mm-hmm. Because he sent me a copy the other week. Oh, man, I wish, I wish he'd picked a better picture of me. <laughs> That's awful. You're like, oh, I didn't you, know that was going in a book. <laughs> that pocket guide. You, you wrote a pocket yeah. guide, though, for Five Simple Steps about animations, though. I did. The pocket guide to CSS animations. I've got it on my iPad here. Oh, nice. Yeah, I haven't read it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> might oh, yeah. do might do um, at some point is that the first book that you've written it is and um it was great working with five simple steps i was a little bit um worried about the idea of writing a book because i was thinking i'm like you know i don't think i've written anything longer than an article since like university and those were because i had to <laughs> so i wasn't really sure how it was going to go but they're great to work with, and Owen's an amazing editor. So, um, you know, he's he's just great at making making you, helping you be able to say what you're trying to say and sound even smarter and intelligent in pap- on paper doing it. <laughs> yeah, no, he did it for me over 300 pages. Oh goodness! So yeah, yeah, I, can... I, I loved working with him with that. They say that the mark of a good editor is when you read the book back and you can't tell what you wrote and what you didn't write. Mm-hmm. And he's very good, actually. He's very good at picking up on your tone of voice and phraseology. Oh, yeah. Um, and just making things better without without changing the tone. Yeah, and a lot of the times he was like, I think you're trying to say this. And I'm like, that is exactly what I was trying to say. And you just said it way better than I did. <laughs> well, Chris, Chris Mills, mm-hmm. um, he, he was the editor on mine. Um, and he would famously leave me messages in the margin. Um, <laughs> This paragraph is mostly crap. <laughs> and, uh, and you're like, oh, okay. Uh. <laughs> did they? Did did Five Simple Steps come to you, or did you approach them? Um, they had mentioned they were looking for new book topics, and um, I had, had, was actually hoping to meet them in person to talk about it, but it just didn't work out. So I just emailed Emma, and I was like, hey, here's this idea. Is this the kind of thing you want a book on? Because I would totally do it if you do. And they were like, yes, that sounds awesome. Or, well, they don't say awesome. I overuse awesome. They have much better words to use. Um, but they were like, that's great. Let's do it. And that was kind of it. So that's what started it. Yeah, Brits don't say awesome. No, you guys don't say awesome nearly enough. No, we say, well, yeah. <laughs> So, well, some things are not awesome. A cupcake cannot be awesome. The moon landings, if yeah, they were true, which I don't think they were, that would be awesome. <laughs> oh, don't get me started. No, I I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting into that with you. <laughs> no, I have serious fallings out with Jeremy Keith over this because he thinks that I'm crazy. Yeah, no, okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah, moving swiftly on. But, yeah, you, you, a cupcake cannot be awesome. I've had some good cupcakes though, and, and I awesome is apparently the word I, I overuse just way way too much. So yeah. um, we I say fabulous, yeah, fabulous, fabulous. Is, or fab. I like the short form of fab for fabulous. I think that's pretty. That's a pretty good one. Yeah, I still say groovy, but you know that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's interesting because they. I think they put out a call for topics, mm-hmm. um, 
and they've got some good ones. There's some do. really, really nice little books there. I, I loved all the pocket books, uh, um, pocket guides I've read. I mean, they're just, it's a great like two, three hour read. And you're like, I feel so much smarter for having spent the afternoon reading this. Um, so that also made it kind of intimidating to write one. Cause I'm like, Oh man, they've got a really good track record. I can't screw this up. <laughs> Everybody feels like that though. I know. It doesn't, it doesn't matter whether it's a talk or a book or something. Oh yeah. There's, you're just like, Oh, I hope I don't screw this up. But, um, it, it was really fun to work on and I think it turned out great. So I'm really pleased that they're doing it actually. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't care whether they listen to this or not, but you know, I never would say, Oh, you're biased because you know, they published my book, but <laughs> Um, I'm really glad that they're doing it because years ago it used to be uh, publishers like New Riders yeah. and they were constantly hungry for, for authors. They had uh, Mike Nolan, I think he was called, um, you know, acquisitions editors mm-hmm. and they go to conferences and watch people talk and, you know, they come to you afterwards and go, would you like to buy a book for us? But they were thinking, like, they were trying to get people to write like, full-length, like, huge tech books that took, like, probably a year to write, I would think, right? Yeah, like mine. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like, I mean, that sounds like an intimidating amount of work. I don't know if I could ever write a book like that. It, It does take up time, and... I know that I can't do anything else when I'm writing. Mm -hmm. I've said this before. You know, I have to, you know, clear the calendar and just write for, well, the last time it was 10 months. Oh, wow. That is a long time. Yeah, from start to finish, it was was 10 months. Um, But, yeah, you know, they used to have people that would, um, you know, that that would hang out at conferences and, Mm -hmm. you know, they'd they'd approach. Um, I don't know whether they still do that. Do they still make... I'm pretty sure they still do. I mean, I've heard of people, people have often mentioned they've talked to like, um, they call them like old school publishers and that the deal is very different than dealing with someone like five simple steps or a book apart or, you know, not so old school publishers. So I always think that's a little interesting. Yeah, no, they were lovely people, new writers, but Mm -hmm. I just don't think that it's, uh, it's doable for somebody to, you know, spend that amount of time, you know, writing because the returns just aren't there. Yeah, it's so much time. And then with the way things change so fast, too, I'd be afraid to spend 10 months writing something, you know, about any kind of new CSS or HTML thing for, you know, being afraid that six months later it'd be totally different. And you're like, oh, crap, i got to change the book again. Yeah, and the worst thing is, is that you do that kind of final production check, you know, mm-hmm. maybe a month or so before, and you realize that half of the sites that you've done screen grabs of... Um, you know, they've changed. And you think, oh, you're like, no, I was using your old design. Oh. I know, I need to go back and do a replace. And that's happened twice now. Bloody you? Dan Cedarhole. I, <laughs> um, I found that even with talks where I've, you know, started working on something a couple months ahead of time. And then, you know, before the talk, you're like, oh, crap, they're redesigned. Well, I can't use that example now. <sighs> yeah. It's, it, Get a new one. It takes a, it takes a hell of a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Will you, do you think, how, how long did it take you to write that little book? Um, I think the the overall process was over about four to six months. Um, and mostly I was just writing it on weekends and stuff. You know, there's a couple of rounds of drafts and edits and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't like full time for four months or anything like that. So it was, it was, um, compared to writing like a full length book, I'm pretty sure it was like quite easy to write, but it was still, I found it tough to just sit down and write and like actually, you know, um, I think the total length of it was like 6,000, 8,000 words. And that's still a lot of words. Yeah, no, it is. 
It is. It's 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 shorter than a book apart, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. The book aparts have gotten longer and longer, I've noticed. I just got the research one and I'm like, hey, this is a very thick book. <laughs> um, so I'm only halfway through reading that so far. I was talking about this the other week, but they've changed the cover design now. They have. And the spine um, printing. And it looks really, really nice, except that, you know, could they not have waited until number 10 or number oh. 11, right? So I can have 10 <laughs> that are all the same. Yeah. The paper is different too, but I'm okay with it. No, but no, yeah, it is lo- it Now is you lovely. line them all up and you're like, oh, they change at nine. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I'm just going to have, maybe they'll reprint the other ones and I'll have to go back and buy them again. You'll have to buy the reissues so you can match them all up. <laughs> do you think, do you think you'll ever get back? Do you let, you'll ever earn back enough to make it cover the time that you took to write it um i'm not sure i mean the the pocket guides are super cheap it's like what two pounds a book or like six pounds for three so it's um i don't think it's a huge money-making venture for either of us um but you know so far so good i've i kind of went into it just as a chance to work with someone who i thought would be really great to work with which five simple steps totally were um, and, and to try to write something that was book-like because I'd never attempted it before. Um, so, you know, if I make it back, that's awesome. But, Would you do another one? Oh, definitely. I would definitely do another one. Um, something around the same length or whatever, that would be perfect. I'm still intimidated by the idea of writing like an entire full-length book. But um, I like this. I like these shorter books that are popping up. So i totally do another one of those. I don't know whether there's... Is there even a market now in you know in our kind of field? Mm-hmm. Is there a market for like a big thick book? Because you know, hard boiled was was more of a manifesto than it was anything yeah. else, and it was you know I want it it needed to be a, a big thing, but it, it it took a long time to do. I don't think I'd ever spend that amount of time doing another one. I think there uh, is. I think a lot of people that are newer to the industry, you know, um. A, a pocket guide wouldn't be enough for them. They want something meatier, something more in depth. And I think that's where the, I think that might be the audience that wants that, that these bigger, longer, more in depth books would be best for. Um, I think a lot of us, once we've been doing this for a while are just like, I have no time. I want to read something really short and to the point. <laughs> but I, I wonder whether that's just people in general. Cause I'm just turning around. If my audio goes funny, I'm just oh, turning okay. around. Right. And I'm looking at my bookshelf. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big thing, Thick books are the, probably the oldest. Yeah. Um, and I think that they've just got thinner and thinner over time. And, you know, maybe people don't want to write that amount, but people don't want to read that amount either. No, I think you might be onto something because with, the, with the, our recent move, we were going through all the office books and there was these huge, thick books that I realized I had two copies of because I kept one at my office and one at home. Um, and I used them every single day for like reference and stuff. And that was years ago. And now I'm like, I just Google things now. I don't even, <laughs> I don't even think to look it up. <laughs> I couldn't reach it from my desk, but I've got in my hands now professional CSS cascading style sheets for web design. Right. And this was Chris Schmidt, who, you know, very well. Um, what was that book from pre beard? This is. Um, it was a rocks publishing book. Here we go. Um, 2005. Oh, wow. That sounds like forever ago. Yeah, exactly. So it's uh, Chris Schmidt, Mark Trammell, who the last mm-hmm. I heard was working at Twitter. Uh, Ethan Marcotte, who has fabulous dreadlocks on the cover. No, really? Yeah, seriously, yeah. <laughs> I had 
had no idea he well, ever had looks hair like, like that. <laughs> looks like he's kind of curly hair. Um, Dunson Orchard, Todd Dominey, who mm-hmm. I don't think is even in the industry anymore. No, I haven't heard anything from him in ages. Um, and I think I have a copy of this because I did something for Ethan. Or no, I think they mentioned my style sheet switcher or something in it, which is why I've kept. But this book is what is this now? It's getting yellowy and. So, including the index, it's 435 pages. Would, who would want to sit there and go through? I suppose people would want to dip in and out. You know, if there's an index, you're going to go, ah, oh, I'm going to look up something about CSS animations, right? Yeah, and then just look up the little section you're interested in. I mean, did anyone ever read books like that cover to cover? I don't know, actually. I don't- I don't think I ever did. I think I often set out to do that <laughs> and then never actually made it all the way through and just ended up skipping to the parts that were most relevant to me at the time. But, you know, my attention span has never been great. <laughs> I think if it's a if it's like a project-based book where, you mm-hmm. know, you're going to work through lessons, then you might want to do that. But Yeah, then you kind of have to. I mean, otherwise they probably aren't going to make any sense in context or out of context, rather. I mean, now, if you, if you want to... I would never think to actually reach for a book if i want apart from yours of course if i want to learn something about animations right (laughs) did i did i recover from that quickly (laughs) perfect (laughs) no but i think the pocket guides are good for that because you might actually think to look something up in them but most of the time i just hit up google yeah i mean it's right there (laughs) I i was looking for something the other day and looking for something about sv optimizing svg files and uh and it just it brought up CSS tricks. Yeah, of what, what Google search doesn't these days. It's always Chris. <laughs> and it's like, oh, my, my, I should just have looked at CSS tricks in the first place, you dozy ape. You know, it's. But you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't dream of thinking about. Oh, I'm going to look in my professional CSS book. <laughs> ah, it's in chapter six. Oh, you look in the index. Chapter six point one: SVG optimization. <laughs> here we go. I'm just looking at here now. Yeah, Flash Movie Implementation, page mm-hmm. two hundred and two. Oh, did we ever? Did we ever want to do that now? Oh yeah. And see, this is the other thing. <laughs> this. So you've actually got code now in here. So it's like object type equals application slash x mm-hmm. shockwave flash. It's like, what did they expect people to cut to, like to type this in word for word? <laughs> I, I think most even in 2005 you could download code samples, right? Or no? Um, or, well, I think they used to put uh, CDs that came with them. I think oh, this, yes, CDs, of course. This so. might have come with a CD. But there is one book, actually, there's, um, which we're, I'm not going to mention who it is because I don't want to be unfair, but it's, it's hilarious. Where um, It's kind of like a code critique book. And uh, and the author says something along the lines of, so Jim's having a problem with his code that won't validate. Um, let's take a look at the code. And then literally there's a dump of HTML. And the longest one is something like 12 pages. Oh, my goodness. 12 pages of just reading it's HTML. And 12 pages of HTML. And it's like every single bit, every piece of content, every image tag with a path. Literally, it's like a oh, dump no. of HTML. It's like tw- 8 to 12 pages. And then you get past that. And it goes, so, as you can see, he missed off the doc type. And you go... That was it? <laughs> <laughs> it is tough to do code samples in paper, on paper, though, or in a book, even an e-book, because you're like, what do I include? What's going to make it meaningful? And how do I make it short enough that someone can look at it and not just be, like, overwhelmed by all this code, half of which is unnecessary for my point? But, wow, 12 pages. Yeah. No, it's pretty frightening. Maybe he had, uh, or she, whoever wrote it, had um, 
um, a page quota. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they had to hit like 600 pages and they're like, I'm 12 short. All right, this example is going in. (laughs) I swear to God, there must be like 60 pages of code in this book. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's too many pages of just straight up code to read. So, man, if you want to view source, I can, I can do that anywhere. Because I, I just think that they could have could picked one any random website mm. and just put the pick the code, put it in there, and nobody would notice. Oh yeah, could, there could be anything. Because after like second page, are you even reading it still? <laughs> yeah, that's mean. I mustn't be mean because you know it's it's hard writing books. We all know that it is tough, especially books about code and or anything else that's like not native to like being on paper when you're trying to describe things on screen or things that should happen on screen, you're like, uh, yeah, I'm using a lot of words and I could just be showing you, but I can't cause it's a book. <laughs> yeah. I suppose now, you know, we can in- include video and links and, you know, it becomes much more kind of, I hate to use the word interactive, but you know, there's lots of that kind of stuff, which, you know, we never had before. I don't think I'm ever going to write a big, I'm not going to write a code book again. Not, not in a kind of a, you know, a printed on paper kind of way. It could be interesting. You might be able to put together a pretty cool ebook of sorts, depending on on how you set that up. I don't know. I think like the ebook, the ebook market or the ebook option. I don't even think we've scratched the surface on what we can do with those. You know, a lot of them just kind of. Well, the tech books usually look pretty good, but a lot of like non tech books I get in ebook format just look horrible. <laughs> They're kind of like painful to read. I'm like I'm ignoring the horrible, horrible like just typography and just like horrible layout of this book and just trying to read it <laughs> well that was the thing with hard-boiled was i don't think i've ever actually looked at the straight epub because we spent so much time um five simple steps and i working on all the page layouts that it just never made sense that it would just be you know linearized and you know black and white or something no they i think from what i've heard i mean i haven't put together any ebooks myself but it sounds like it's kind of like html emails and going back to like 1995 as far as putting those together with um with web technology stuff so that makes me kind of sad um i've had it on my to-do list for like the last three months and it it just says it's it's one of those recurring things that pops mm -hmm. up every monday and i I keep i think i might be able to do it next week and then i never do it's learn ibooks author oh yeah I'd, i'd be interested to see what what kind of options that has i mean they made it sound like it was quite cool but I haven't looked at it either. <laughs> yeah, because you know, designeries. You know, we want we want to we want to make it look. You know, we want to make it look nice, and I just don't think <laughs> ebooks just don't look nice normally. No, they they pretty much always look awful. Like if you get one that looks like mediocrely okay, you're like, oh, this one's beautiful. But really, you've just been you know, <laughs> your standards have been lowered so far. I think if we get a Retina iPad Mini mm-hmm. next week with the an Apple with the Apple. Um, event on tuesday oh yeah yeah that's it i'm just that'll be it i'll never buy another ipad again that'll just be like my my perfect thing that'll be the one yeah i i I thought i would hate the minis but i've tried them out and they're actually not bad oh it's just perfect i I take mine everywhere and i take mine everywhere with books on it oh i bet yeah it seems like a perfect reading size like the regular ipad seems like it gets just a bit heavy i feel like the mini is like perfect book replacement size yeah i've got all all of those little pocket guides mm-hmm. um, on my little iPad mini. So I haven't read them, obviously. No, they're great for planes because you can pretty much read one, like, I don't know, I'm assuming for short flights anyways, you can read one like per short flight and you're like, perfect, done. <laughs> I feel like I've accomplished something on that plane. 
Yeah, no, I, th- I have, I have read them. I read, I read two on a flight down to. It's like a forty-minute flight from Manchester to London, and mm-hmm. I could fit two in just about. Oh, perfect. So uh, no, they are good. I think they do, hopefully they'll do some more this coming year. I think so. I know they've got more in the works. Um, I was talking to Joe and Jerry, who both wrote Pocket Guides as well last week, and I think. I think Joe said he was working on another one, or maybe it was someone else, but there's definitely more people writing them. Um, and I'm doing a really good job at remembering who said they were. Because so. <laughs> they, they haven't done a major book in a no, while. No, they haven't. It's been all the Pocket Guide collections. But I imagine having all these collections going. I mean, they've got, like, what, three of them now? Um, wrangling all those authors writing the Pocket Guides has to be pretty time-consuming. They might just not have time. It's it's really interesting. I, I might get Mark on the show at some point. Actually, yeah. it'd be interesting to talk about that. It would. I would be. I'd be interested to hear more of how those are going and how they run it all. I mean, there's, um, they're not a huge team, and they manage to get all these, you know, out and published and edited and made into all these formats. That's that's quite. That's a lot of work. Mm. No, I really like it because it shows that you know if you can write well, mm-hmm. you can put a book together, and yeah. you know there's people that will that will publish it. It's not that there's there's not a big barrier to entry, yeah, anymore. If you um, have something to say, you can totally find someone to help you get it out there. It's like you were saying earlier on. It's that when I remember when I was talking to new writers the first mm-hmm. time, man, it's really daunting. It's like, yeah, I'm going to have to commit to six months or more of you know making something. You've got a contract and you know, expectations and all that kind of stuff. And it's really daunting. And who knows what they're doing in six months? I mean, maybe that's just me. I have no idea what I'm doing six months from now. The idea of like committing to do something like for that amount of time is pretty scary. Yeah. My wife says that I only ever write books and I have a nervous breakdown. Oh no. That's not a good association. (laughs) So I'm not allowed to do another one yet. (laughs) Oh no. Yeah, definitely. If that's what's going to happen, you probably should avoid another book. <laughs> <laughs> now I have been thinking about doing a little something, mm-hmm. um, but I, I'm, I'm not. Uh, I'm not 100 percent convinced that I want to go through that uh, that pain uh, well, just maybe, yet. Maybe you should talk to uh, Emma and Mark about doing a pocket guide. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I could do. I could do. It's uh, it might it might fit that format, but I think it might be slightly long for that format. Uh. But uh, who knows? <laughs> who the hell knows? Listen, we should wrap it up. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um, you can find all the links that, that we mentioned in this episode in our mm-hmm. show notes. You'll get those at unfinished.bz or BZ for Val. Uh, no, we slash... say Z too. It's okay. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. Cool. We're unfinished, on that team. <laughs> unfinished.bz slash 41. That's the number 41. Um, you can follow Val on Twitter. You are VLH. Mm-hmm. What's the L stand for? It's my middle name, Lena. Oh, okay. It's better than underscore. Yeah. The Val was taken. Oh, whoever has that, giving them evil looks across the internet. <laughs> <laughs> is it in use though? Is it one of these accounts that's just never used? I haven't checked in a while, but uh, I just kind of gave up on it after I saw it was taken. Yeah, it's a bugger. Because <laughs> yeah, Brad can't get Brad Frost. He has that be Brad underscore Frost. Uh, he should he should he should get that one somehow or another (laughs) Uh, you could follow me i'm at malarkey Uh, to ask questions and suggest topics you can message the show on twitter at unfinished bz or you can email me he has at unfinished.bz thanks again to our sponsors this week that was gather content i love them sign up 
at gathercontent.com slash unfinished. Thanks, Val.